Hello and welcome to an audio recording of the paper titled Student Wellbeing, produced by the Centre for Education Statistics and Evaluation, or CESI. The New South Wales Department of Education has developed a wellbeing framework for schools to underpin the work that goes on in education in New South Wales in regard to student wellbeing and school excellence. This audio paper explores how student wellbeing is defined, the relationship between wellbeing, schools and outcomes, and school elements in improving student wellbeing. Let's start with a brief overview. What is wellbeing? Wellbeing is difficult to define. This is largely because the concept of wellbeing has so many applications across a broad range of disciplines. Different definitions can be found in relation to health, education, psychology and philosophy, to name just a few. Broadly speaking, the clinical or health perspective defines wellbeing as the absence of negative conditions, whereas the psychological perspective defines wellbeing as the prevalence of positive attributes. A useful working definition may be to see wellbeing as the balance point between an individual's resource pool and the challenges faced. In terms of education, DWA, that is the Australian Department of Education, Employment and Workplace Relations, commissioned a study into approaches to student wellbeing and found that there were three definitions of wellbeing in the literature specifically focusing on student wellbeing as opposed to wellbeing in the general population. These all relate to student wellbeing in the school environment. Fraylin further notes that while educators certainly advocate a focus on student wellbeing, there is very little consensus on what student wellbeing actually is. Fraylin came up with his own definition of student wellbeing, which states that wellbeing is the degree to which a student is functioning effectively in the school community. The DWA report drew on this definition and broadened it to come up with the following definition of student wellbeing. A sustainable state of positive mood and attitude, resilience and satisfaction with self, relationships and experiences at school. This definition, according to the report, synthesises the most common and relevant characteristics that appear in most definitions of wellbeing, namely positive effect, resilience, satisfaction with relationships and other dimensions of one's life, and effective functioning and the maximising of one's potential, and applies it to an education setting. Many definitions of well-being also refer to types of well-being, for example, cognitive, emotional, social, physical and spiritual. This appears to lead to confusion as to what exactly well-being means or is referring to. The DWA report suggests that it is perhaps more useful in the educational context to view these types of well-being as dimensions of well-being rather than separate categories of well-being. The types of well-being, cognitive, emotional, etc., can all be seen to contribute to overall measures of well-being. The importance of well-being. In education, well-being is important for two reasons. The first is the recognition that schooling should not just be about academic outcomes, but that it is about well-being of the whole child. The second is that students who have higher levels of well-being tend to have better cognitive outcomes at school. The focus on the whole child, rather than just the cognitive development of a child as measured by educational achievement, 
has become of increasing policy significance over the last five to ten years. The policy significance of the whole child concept and how this relates to education in particular was highlighted in 2008 in the Melbourne Declaration on Educational Goals for Young Australians. This declaration, produced by the former Ministerial Council on Education, Training and Youth Affairs and signed off by all Australian education ministers, stated the following. Schools play a vital role in promoting the intellectual, physical, social, emotional, moral, spiritual and aesthetic development and well-being of young Australians and in ensuring the nation's ongoing economic prosperity and social cohesion. This was the first formal recognition in Australia that schooling has a broader role to play in the development of Australian school children above and beyond academic outcomes. Research evidence shows that students with high levels of well-being are more likely to have higher academic achievement and complete year 12, better mental health, and a more pro-social, responsible and lawful lifestyle. By ensuring that well-being is a focus of Australia's education system, Australia can also ensure greater participation in the workforce, more social inclusion and more effective building of Australia's social capital. Improving well-being in schools. The literature consistently identifies a number of elements that affect student well-being. These can broadly be grouped into the following five categories. One, creating a safe environment. Two, ensuring connectedness. Three, engaging students in learning. Four, promoting social and emotional learning. And five, a whole school approach. Please note that while these five groupings have been distinguished for the purposes of outlining the evidence base related to student well-being, it is the nature of well-being that the categories are intrinsically interconnected and that they should not necessarily be viewed as separate entities in and of themselves. Let's now take a closer look at each of these five elements. Starting with the first, which is creating a safe environment. A safe school is one where the physical environment is safe and does not lead to harm or injury for students. The emotional environment is one of positivity and free from negative behaviours, such as bullying, which can affect mental health, and where a healthy lifestyle is promoted through initiatives such as increased participation in sport and or healthy food at the canteen. The concept of safe schools can also be extended to refer to schools' attention to the individual health requirements of students. The physical safety of a school is crucial to ensuring students are safe from injury and harm. The physical school environment can be seen to encompass the school building and all its contents, including physical structures, infrastructure, furniture, and the use and presence of chemicals and biological agents, the site on which a school is located, and the surrounding environment, including the air, water, and materials with which children may come into contact, as well as nearby land uses, roadways, and other hazards. It is self-evident that schools need to ensure they identify and modify aspects of the physical environment that jeopardize safety and health to ensure a physically safe environment for students. 
This can be achieved through risk and asset management documents that are kept updated on issues such as asbestos, tree safety and other issues that may influence the physical well-being of school communities. Another important element of a safe school is an emotionally safe environment. This is one where students feel safe to attend school and know they will be supported on an emotional level should they encounter any issues. In schools, the behaviour most likely to undermine a safe emotional space is bullying. Bullying can be physical, verbal or psychological and is intended to cause fear, distress and or harm to the victim. Many studies have shown the link between bullying others at school and later violent, antisocial and or criminal behaviour. For example, Olwus found that approximately 60% of boys who regularly bullied others were convicted of a crime by the age of 24. Students who are victims of bullying are also more likely to display a range of mental health difficulties, such as anxiety and depression. Some studies have also found links between bullying and low academic achievement. Toffee and Farrington, in a meta-analysis of 44 bullying evaluations, found that overall, school-based anti-bullying programs are effective. On average, bullying decreased by 20 to 23% and victimisation decreased by 17 to 20% in the programs evaluated. The authors found in particular that more intensive programs were more effective, as were programs including parent meetings, firm disciplinary methods, and improved playground supervision. Health is also acknowledged as an important aspect of wellbeing. The World Health Organization, or WHO, states that childhood and adolescence is a critical time for the development of health behaviors and patterns that develop during school years and often continue into adulthood. WHO, recognising the importance of schools and health, initiated the Health Promoting Schools Strategy in 1995, which is a whole school approach designed to improve the health of students, school personnel, families and other members of the community through schools. The initiative has been adopted in countries and regions across the world, including Europe, Australia, Asia Pacific and South Africa. Schools can have direct and indirect impacts on students' health, both their physical and mental health. This includes levels of physical activity, eating habits, substance abuse, such as tobacco, alcohol and drugs, sexual practices, and individual health needs, such as allergies. For example, since 1985, the proportion of Australian children who are overweight has doubled and the prevalence of obesity has trebled. This could be addressed to some extent in schools through physical education programs and a healthy food canteen. It is also known that allergies are on the rise and that many more students are now at risk from anaphylaxis than in the past. Policies, procedures and training can be implemented at the school and broader departmental level to ensure the effective management of anaphylaxis in schools and other specific health needs of students. For example, in New South Wales, the Department of Education has an anaphylaxis policy for schools in place. Let's now look at the second element affecting student wellbeing, which is connectedness. 
School connectedness can mean school belonging, school attachment, school bonding, school climate, school connection, school engagement, and teacher support. More broadly, definitions of school connectedness can also include members of the extended school community, for example, community leaders or grandparents, and how these individuals interact with primary caregivers, teachers, and students to affect education. Within the school environment, connectedness is realised and promoted in the quality of the relationships between students and their teachers, between students and the school, between students and other students, and between schools and the local community, including parents. A sense of belonging to the school environment is an established protective factor for child and adolescent health, education and social well-being. However, students do not always feel this sense of connectedness. For example, an Australian longitudinal study of adolescents showed that 40% of the students reported that they did not believe that they had anyone in or outside school who they perceived knew them well or who they could trust. Particular groups of students may also be more vulnerable to experiencing low levels of connectedness, including those from different cultural and linguistic backgrounds, students with disabilities, and lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender students. Students with low connectedness are two to three times more likely to experience depressive symptoms compared to more connected peers. Better school connectedness is also linked to increased engagement at school, high levels of academic achievement, school completion, reductions in antisocial or disruptive behaviours, and lower rates of health risk behaviour. For example, Osterman found that when students experience a sense of belonging and acceptance, they are more likely to participate more at school, show more commitment to their school and schoolwork, and be more interested and engaged. Marzano et al. found that higher quality teacher-student relationships led to 31% fewer discipline and related problems than for those who had lower connectedness with their teachers. It has also been found that positive peer relationships are important to establishing a sense of community and student well-being, and that parental involvement in school is another aspect of connectedness that is associated with high levels of student well-being. There are many strategies that can be used to improve school connectedness. McNeely et al. examined the association between school connectedness and the school environment using data from the US National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent Health and hierarchical linear models. They found that positive classroom management climates, participation in extracurricular activities, and tolerant disciplinary policies were associated positively with higher school connectedness. Other strategies can include increasing the time, interest and support given to students by teachers, empowering students to have a voice, engaging community partners to provide a range of services at the school that students need, and developing a shared vision of high standards and behaviours for the school. Involvement in extracurricular activity and exposure to a challenging curriculum can also assist with connectedness. And now let's look at the third element affecting student well-being, learning engagement. 
there is a mutually reinforcing relationship between engagement, well-being and outcomes. Engaged students do better and doing better increases engagement. As Professor Douglas Wilms, a leading expert in student engagement, describes this, engagement and learning go hand in hand. Students can engage with school at social, institutional and intellectual levels. Social engagement is how a student is involved in the life of the school and can refer to a sense of belonging, positive relationships and participation in clubs and sports. Institutional engagement is how a student values school and strives to meet the formal requirements of schooling, such as attendance, positive behaviour and homework. An intellectual engagement relates to emotional and psychological investment in schooling, such as interest, effort and motivation. A 2009 American study of 78,106 students in 160 schools across eight states found that a one percentage point increase in a student's engagement was associated with a six point increase in reading achievement and an eight point increase in maths achievement scores. Other studies of student engagement have shown that increased student engagement has a flow-on effect in regard to educational and occupational success many years into the future. For example, an Australian study which used data from the Childhood Determinants of Adult Health study and a school engagement index found that each unit of school engagement was independently associated with a 10% higher chance of achieving a post-compulsory school education at some point during the next 20 years, including as a mature age student. This was true over and above the influence of family background and personality. Students become disengaged from education for many reasons, including the learning environment not meeting their needs, homelessness, family breakdown, poverty, mental health problems, low self-esteem, previous poor educational experiences, low educational achievement, and challenging behaviours. Ways of ensuring students stay engaged and or become re-engaged with learning are varied, but may include differentiated learning, quality instruction, and positive education. Differentiated learning can refer to differentiated learning for all students within schools, from gifted and talented, to those with English as a second language, to those with a learning disability or intensive programs for just some students who may require specialised and individually tailored support in order to re-engage with learning. Goddard and Goddard state that well-implemented differentiated learning should involve adjusting teaching and learning activities in terms of both content and complexity, pacing the provision of appropriate resources, development of appropriate support levels, and scaffolding to meet students' differential readiness to learn. Quality instruction may mean student participation in design, delivery and review of the program, and or active participation in parts of their education, from consultation to decision making. Personalised pathways or flexible learning opportunities may also need to be provided for some students to ensure opportunities that are relevant and meaningful and that lead to an increase in how school is valued, so that students do not become disengaged from education. 
Positive education refers to activities that aim to increase well-being through the cultivation of positive feelings, thoughts and behaviours. This is similar to a strength-based approach which identifies and builds on an individual strength and is consistent with differentiated learning and personalised pathways. When people work with their strengths, they tend to learn more readily, perform at a higher level, are more motivated and confident and have a stronger sense of satisfaction, mastery and competence. Much of the interest in positive psychology in schools has stemmed from the work of Professor Martin Seligman from the University of Pennsylvania who, among other things, developed a whole school positive education program for Geelong Grammar School in Victoria. This was the first time anywhere in the world positive education interventions have been applied to a whole school. Waters reviewed evidence from 12 schools that had implemented positive psychology interventions focusing on gratitude, hope, serenity, resilience and character strengths and found that these interventions were significantly related to student well-being, relationships and academic performance. Let's now look at the fourth element, which is social and emotional learning. Well-developed social and emotional skills are important elements of well-being. These are the skills that allow students to work cooperatively with others, manage emotions, cope with setbacks, and solve problems effectively. CELL, or social and emotional learning, is also the process through which children and adults acquire and apply the knowledge, attitudes, and skills necessary to understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. Cell programs are based on the understanding that the best learning emerges in the context of supportive relationships that make learning challenging, engaging, and meaningful. Examples of cell programs used in Australian schools include Kids Matter and Mind Matters. One of the main proponents of CELL has been a consortium of researchers and educators based in the US at the University of Illinois called the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning, or CASEL. CASEL promotes the adoption of CELL in US schools. They also produce the CASEL Guide, which rates and identifies well-designed, evidence-based CELL programs and provides best practice guidelines for schools on how to select and implement cell programs. CASEL has identified five basic categories of social and emotional learning. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Various cell studies and evaluations have shown that students who experience opportunities for social and emotional learning participate more in class, demonstrate more pro-social behaviour, have fewer absences, have improved attendance, show reductions in aggression and disruptive behaviour, and are more likely to complete school. In 2011, Durlach et al. conducted a meta-analysis of 213 studies of cell programs involving 270,034 kindergarten through high school students in the US. They found that compared to control participants, cell participants demonstrated significantly improved social and emotional skills, attitudes, 
behaviour and academic performance that reflected an 11 percentile point gain in achievement. And now the final element affecting student wellbeing, a whole school approach. Wellbeing itself is a holistic concept and efforts to promote student wellbeing demand a whole school rather than a siloed approach. This means a focus on the protective factors that schools can provide as well as the skills, knowledge and understanding schools can teach to enhance student wellbeing. It entails an integrated, comprehensive, multi-dimensional approach which links curriculum with the school ethos, environment and the community. Fraylin states that student wellbeing cannot be viewed in isolation from the broader school context and that school communities not only provide the defining context, they also have the potential to significantly influence wellbeing. He defines school communities in terms of belonging, participation and influence, values and commonality. The DEWA study, as part of its research, invited all Australian jurisdictions to complete a questionnaire asking their views on student wellbeing. Respondents to this questionnaire highlighted the importance of a whole school focus to strengthen the links between student wellbeing and learning outcomes. Respondents agreed that any effective school wellbeing framework needs to encourage schools and educators to change their traditional emphasis on welfare, student deficits, targeted populations and specific programs to focus instead on universal student wellbeing and an emphasis on whole school change. Critical elements to supporting wellbeing at the school level are strong school leadership which emphasises and promotes the importance of wellbeing at the school and within the broader school community and a culture of high expectations for all students with teachers who emphasise continuously improving. In other words, wellbeing must be integrated into the school learning environment, the curriculum and pedagogy, the policy and procedures at schools, and the partnerships inherent within and outside schools, including teachers, students, parents, support staff and community groups. In conclusion, wellbeing is a complex issue which can be difficult to define, particularly in an education setting. Nonetheless, both research and education practice have recognised the significance of student wellbeing and the interdependent and reciprocal relationship between learning and wellbeing. There are a number of elements that affect wellbeing which this paper has grouped into the following. Safe environment, connectedness, learning engagement, social and emotional learning, and whole school approaches. In Australia, all jurisdictions have a commitment to and policies regarding student wellbeing in schools, which centre around the importance of the whole school approach and the interdependence between learning and wellbeing. That concludes our audio version of this publication. To read the full paper, complete with reference material, please visit the CESE website, cese.nsw.gov. This audio paper was written and produced by the Centre for Education Statistics and Evaluation, or CESI, and is read by Kate Griffiths. Thanks for listening.